from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth him by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable Jesus spake unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and kill and destroy. And I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own sheep, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catches them, and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. There should be one fold and one shepherd. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today we are resuming our study in the Acts of the Apostles and we are ready for chapter 10. And this deals with the bringing in, or at least the opening up to Peter that the Gentiles are being brought in. And uh, Jesus foretold about this and I just I opened the show by reading from John where he talks about how he's the good shepherd and he has these sheep and he ends that parable or that conversation by saying, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, meaning they're not of the Jewish fold, them also I must bring that they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So there's one faith, ladies and gentlemen. Either you know Jesus Christ or you don't. You don't get there any other way. You're not a second-class citizen if you're a Christian as opposed to being Jewish. Your bloodline means nothing. Do you know the Savior? That's all that matters. 
have a feeling this uh, podcast episode today is going to have all kinds of triggers for certain people who are members of certain groups and have been lured into some of these YouTube uh, potholes that have led people to stray, led people astray. And uh, so just a warning there that I'll put out there. All right. Not a lot of time this morning, so let's get started. Acts chapter 10 is dealing with the first division of Cornelius and then the vision of Peter. And then Peter's going to kind of talk a little bit about how he acknowledges now that the Gentiles are being brought in. Let's have a look. We'll also uh, deal with some commentary from Matthew Henry and others as we typically do. Here we go. Chapter 10, verse 1. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants, a devout soldier of those who were of his personal attendants. And after he explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky open up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord. For I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again a voice came to him a second time, What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the sky was taken up. Immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Alright, please note. This has always been understood through church history. You go read any commentary going back 2,000 years, and just about unanimously, the interpretation is simple. First and foremost, the most important point being made by this whole chapter is that the Jews are being brought in, or I'm sorry, that the Gentiles are being brought into the into the into Israel. Right? Uh, Paul talks about this in great length. The unbelieving branches, which were natural branches, were cut off. And 
the unnatural branches were grafted in. So you have one faith, right? One God, one faith. And that's and it's all about believing in Messiah. Uh, Paul says there is no longer Jew or Gentile. We're all one under Christ. And then he warns the Gentiles, hey, don't get all high and mighty about all this. If he, If God can cut off the natural branches and graft you in, he could cut you off and graft the natural branches back in, right? Like, so God can do whatever he wants. The second interpretation is that the the uh, Levitical law or the ceremonial law is no longer in play. And that's pretty clear also. One example would be we don't report to a Levitical priesthood anymore, do we? We have a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus, right? There's all kinds of things that are clearly changed that everyone accepts, but then when we get to the ceremonial food stuff, we have people who are members of the Hebrew roots and other things like that who try to act like that, you know. Yeah, 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 the Levitical priesthood's gone and Jesus replaced that, but the food, the ceremonial food law is still there. Like, you can't have one without the other. It, it either is or it isn't. Any commentary you read makes this clear. I'll just read two short ones to you real quick. I'm not going to argue with anybody about it. You can believe what you want to believe. I'm just telling you what the church has believed throughout church history and what the scriptures are saying. God himself tells Peter, don't call it unclean because I've cleansed it. Here's what B.W. Johnson says, and then I'll read you a short one from Matthew Henry, and then we'll move on. He says, starting with Johnson, the meaning of the vision is plain. Peter was hungry. He saw let down from heaven all kinds of animals, those ceremonially unclean and prohibited by the Mosaic law, as well as others, and was told to kill and eat. And when he answered they had never eaten anything common as opposed to holy and unclean that is forbidden by Moses, he was told that what God had cleansed was not common or unclean. This could only mean that the ceremonial distinctions of the law, Leviticus chapter 11 and Deuteronomy chapter 14, were obligated. It was at this time that the messengers from a Gentile, one of a class which even Peter would not eat, yet for which Christ had died, presented themselves. The object of the vision was shown Peter that it was the will of the Lord that he should go. Here's what Matthew Henry has to say. Even... Uh, this one's even got a higher level of trigger warning for uh, those of you who are really digging in about this. Here's what Matthew Henry says. The prejudices of Peter against the Gentiles would have prevented his going to Cornelius unless the Lord had prepared him for this service. To tell a Jew that God had directed those animals to be reckoned clean, which were hereto deemed unclean, was in effect saying that the law of Moses was done away. Peter was soon made to know the meaning of it. God knows what services are before us and how to prepare us. And we know the meaning of what he has taught us when we find what occasion we have to make use of it. All right. That's all the time I'm going to spend on that topic. It gets made even more clear in Acts chapter 15, and we'll deal with that when we get to it, which will be, for whatever reason, just as controversial, if not more, than this one. Picking back up, verse 17. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind, 
as to what the vision, which he had had seen, might be, behold, the men who had been sent to Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up and go downstairs and accompany them, without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you were looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to the house and hear a message from you. So he invited them and gave them lodging. And on the next day he got up and he went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. As he talked with him, he entered in and found many people assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet, God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising an objection. And I was sent for, so I asked, For what reason you have sent for me? And Cornelius said, Four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house, and during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in a shining garment. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore send to Joppa, and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. And God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has appointed, who was appointed by God as judge of the living and of the dead. 
of him all people, of him all prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God, and then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to stay for a few days. Now, my friends, it's the end of chapter 10. The bringing in of the Gentiles has begun. Of course, Peter kind of starts this process. And as we'll see, the Apostle Paul is the one who really... Uh, really goes forth and brings the Gentile church into the kingdom uh, through his efforts and through his ministry. Uh, but it looks like it starts with Peter. Peter was the first one to, to really go to get the word from God that this was happening and the understanding. And then he goes into this house full of Gentiles. They're not circumcised. They don't do the things that the Jews do. The Jews aren't even supposed to be associating with them. Peter preaches Jesus Christ crucified and they believe the Holy Spirit falls upon them and Peter is amazed that even the Gentiles even these people that he thought to be filthy right God has shown no partiality but has shown mercy to all those who fear him and do what is good I hope you've been blessed this morning I'm sure there'll be some challenges with today's messages with today's message, um, I'm I'm just blessed to be able to do this, and I'm so grateful for the ministry that God has given me. I thank all of you for your prayers and for your support, and uh, it means a lot. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again on Friday. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless.